Hey, this is Evan Black, pastor of Faith for Life Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If you don't yet know Jesus, I'm so glad that you're listening, and I pray that this message empowers you to give your life to Christ. If you're just starting out on your journey with Jesus, I hope this empowers you to connect with Him. If you're strong in your connection to Christ, I believe this message will empower you to follow Him. So enjoy today's message. In the last several weeks, and really what's been happening <laughs> since the beginning of the founding of our country, I think we all would like to believe that that's also a temporary problem. It doesn't feel like that problem has the same lifespan as coronavirus. I don't think anybody the last time that we met believed that the coronavirus was going to be a permanent threat and we would never be able to be around other I don't think any of us believe that. But when it comes to the injustices that happen in our country, the racism that's still prevalent, there's some that no longer see this as a temporary problem. And honestly, I can understand that. I can empathize with that. It's been hundreds of years. If you've been on social media, you've not only seen the protests and all the signs and all of that, but if you've, if you've been on, I've seen many signs from 30 years ago, 50 years ago, and longer, that you literally could take those pictures, put them in color, and the sign is still relevant today. The sign still applies today. Now what the scripture tells us is that even this horrific problem and the injustices and the racism and the violence that we're seeing right now, it is temporary. If for nothing else, there will be a day when we get to heaven that this is gone. And, and, and honestly, maybe that's the day. Not a lot of preachers and pastors saying that right now. But maybe that's the day. And you say, well, Pastor, how, why would you say that? That's so negative. That's like, no, Jesus can do anything. He absolutely can. But we're people who live by the word, right? Jesus even says in the last days, There'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be earthquakes. There'll be all this stuff. There'll be all this destruction. And he says, nation or ethnicity will be against and in war in opposition to other nations, other ethnicities. So maybe the temporary problem is a problem that we'll be facing for the entirety of our lives here on the earth. But even if that's the case, Paul tells us that the sufferings of this world, of this present time, they cannot even compare to the glory that all believers will experience after we take our last breath and we go to heaven. That there will be a day, maybe it'll happen on this earth and that's what I'm praying and, and that's what I believe we're praying and that's what we're working towards. But if not, we still have the promise that there will be a day where we recognize ethnicity and color and we celebrate it. Amen. 
Because that doesn't go away when we go to heaven. The book of Revelation it tells us, <laughs> I looked into heaven and I saw every tribe, every nation, every tongue, every, every ethnicity. It doesn't just say it once, it says it twice in Revelation. Jesus is telling the disciples, you're about to have a problem because I'm going to be gone. But it's only going to be for a little while. Meaning there's also a promise that he will come back. A promise that he will make it right. If we keep reading here in verse 17, it says, So some of his disciples said to one another, What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. They didn't understand this very simple statement that Jesus made. But this, say, this statement, while it is simple, it is very powerful. Because Jesus has not only given us this, prom, or, 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 or this, yeah, this promise that we're about to have a problem, but he also gives us a promise that it will only be temporary. And see, whatever problems we have faced over this quarantine, over this time, they are temporary because we have a promise that Jesus not only will return back to the earth, but he will do everything that he said that he would do. So what does that mean? That means that he will take care of you. He will provide for you. He will protect you. He will comfort you. He will never leave you and he'll never turn his back on you. The disciples didn't understand this. And so Jesus says in verse 19, Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while and you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. In part because they didn't understand what Jesus was saying and the promise that he was given. Jesus is saying, in this time, in this temporary pain, you will weep and you will lament. We all know what weeping is. Lament is, some, is a word that, that we don't often use anymore. Lament is a word um, that you don't often hear anymore. Lament is a process. Really, it's a process of healing. Lament is a very Christian process because it involves prayer and, and lament is a very powerful process because lamenting is a path that takes us from pain to peace and the issue with most of us in our country is we no longer lament many of us have no idea even how to lament so we have these temporary pains and we push through and maybe the pain is so deep and so powerful in your life that you know no other way but just to continue to push through or to retreat back. And so we continue on, we continue on, we continue on and we move past it. But we never really allow God to get us over it. Lamenting is that path from going from pain to peace. It's that path of going from pain to praise. C.S. Lewis 
in, in a book he wrote called Grief Observed, said this. He said, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. And see, in the church, when we identify fear, we attack it a certain way. But if it's actually grief, we're attacking it in the wrong way. We're attacking it. We're walking down the wrong path. We're attacking it um, with, with the wrong tools. But if we can recognize grief and we're willing to recognize grief, then we can address it with the tools and along the path that God has set for us that brings us to peace. I'll just say for me, I've not heard a lot about grief in church, except for at at funerals or homegoings. And and honestly, for me, a lot of times, those can ring a little hollow. Those funerals and those homegoing eulogies can ring a little hollow. Because you, you often have someone standing up who is not feeling the emotion and the pain that that family is feeling. And we will read some verses, we will give some encouraging words, and and we will try to do everything that God wants us to do to bring encouragement and peace for that family. But if those members of that family and those friends, if they don't deal with the pain and the emotion of what happened to them, then oftentimes the words from a preacher ring hollow. It's the same thing with what's happened around us and in us and to us for the past three months. If we try to just move forward and act like nothing has ever happened and everything has been fine, if we fake it till we make it, or let's make it spiritual, we faith it till we make it, then I get it. You can show up every Sunday with a smile on your face. You can go back to work. You can go back to your lives. And you can act like nothing, nothing's happened. But at some point, this will rise back up. And if you don't deal with it, especially God's way, if you don't lament and go through this process, it will explode in some way, shape, or form. This, as God has been showing me this, is very similar to um, what happens when we try to hide and we, we don't confess sin, when we have unrepentant sin. You can hide from unrepentant sin for a time. You can bottle it in for a time. But at some point, that sin is going to come out. It's, gonna, it's going to explode in some way. The, the Bible says this way, that sin leads to death. And it's going to produce what it's designed to produce. In a very similar way, grief and pain, especially emotional pain, if they are not lamented at some point, that smile is no longer going to be a smile. This is just not something that we've known about or dealt with. It's not something that I've heard taught very often. It's not something that I've even heard people explain or walk through. 
And maybe, maybe that's not the case for you. Maybe you're an expert in lamenting and you know all about this. If so, just bear with me for the next five or six minutes. Because I, I believe the rest of us need to hear and need to see what this is and how to, how to go about this. Here are these disciples, because they lost something or they lost someone, even though they had the promise, and even though they knew it was only going to be for a little while, because they didn't understand Jesus says they're going to weep and they're going to lament. Now, the book of Psalms has so many what they call lament psalms in them. And Psalms 13 especially is a psalm that in my prayer and research and study I've seen is a psalm that lays out for us this process, these steps for how do we lament, the steps for lamenting. And the first one is we need to turn to God. So lamenting, as I said, is a very Christian process. You know, we can turn all kind of different ways, and we've seen that over the last several weeks, that people have turned all kind of different directions for peace, for answers, for, you know, whatever it is that they believe that they need. But to lament is to first turn to God. This is a prayer. And and, and this prayer is a prayer that is directed solely to God. So you're not pulling any punches, you're not like kind of going to God in some general state, but really trying to see what your mama says, and, and you're really like, you're praying a prayer, but what you're really relying on is what the CDC puts out, or what Fox or CNN or whoever, like, like what you're really relying on is something other than God. To lament is to first turn your heart, your mind, yourself to God, specifically in prayer. When you go through and read Psalm 13, David, he, he, he goes through repeatedly saying, God, how long am I going to have to go through this? How long is this pain going to last? At some level, he recognizes whatever he's going through is temporary, but it does not feel temporary. You know, we could be praying, God, how long until there's a cure for coronavirus? God, how long until we don't have to be afraid to, to drive our cars at night or go jogging or sit in our apartment or, 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 or? How, how long? And, and what David does in, that, in Psalm 13 is he actually truthfully gives his complaints to God. And, and I say truthfully because this is not a prayer like, oh, Lord, help me in this time of struggleth because I am saddeth. No, this is those prayers that you want to pray that maybe you've prayed before and you felt bad about. You, you felt like there was something wrong with talking to God this way. This is those prayers like, God, I don't understand how long, where are you, what are you doing? These are the heartfelt, raw, truthful emotions and feelings and thoughts that you have. And God is not intimidated and he is not offended by you taking those prayers to him. He actually wants those things. And if you're not willing to be honest and truthful and raw and real with God, then you're not going to be able to get through this process of lamenting, meaning you're not going to be able to get from pain to peace. You'll be stuck somewhere in between. And listen, 
Satan has made it very clear. What he's going to do is he's going to push you back to pain as often as he can. So you got to turn to God. You got to truthfully lay out your complaints to God. And when you read through Psalms 13, David then goes on to, to tell God specifically what he wants and what he needs. So again, this is not general. This is not God, I just need you to bless it. I just need you to fix it. No, this is God, I need you to heal my heart because seeing those videos makes me afraid, makes me angry, makes me upset. God, my heart is becoming hardened. I I need you to soften my heart. God, I need you to give me some peace because right now I am so uneasy. I have so much unrest that I don't know what I'm about to do. This This is those prayers that some kind of way in the church we have washed Jesus to this nice, soft, feminine figure that can't handle how we really feel. And then when you continue in Psalm 13, it's amazing because David goes from the first couple verses of like, God, how long is this going to last? This is not fair. Where are you? You've left me like this is not right to, 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 to like, God, here is specifically what I need. I need you to do this. I need you to come through in this area. And then in the last two verses of Psalm 13, it is an absolute transformation where David begins to say, but I will trust you because you've been good to me. Like in these Psalms, in this process, David goes from deep, immense pain. He, he, he lays it out for God. He tells God exactly what he needs. And at the end of it, even before he feels the peace, he says, I am going to experience this peace. I am going to praise. I am going to look not at what the pain and what the difficulty and what all of this negative is. I'm going to look back and I'm going to see your goodness. It has been bountifully good to me. It has been over and above what I could have imagined or thought. And he's going to put his mind and his heart in that place because that's where the peace comes from. Now, many times we see this and we think this has to occur in one prayer or in one day. Like, God, I already prayed that you'd heal my heart. I already prayed that you'd give me peace. Well, why am I not experiencing that? Lamenting, it may be one prayer, but it's a process. More often than that, the deeper the pain, the longer the process. And if you're not willing to walk through that process, you're tying God's hands. You're limiting God's power. And if you get stuck at any one of those steps, if you just turn to God and you don't ever give him the raw and the real, then God's like, I'm here. And you're like, God, where are you? And he's like, I'm here. You're like, God, where are you? He's like, I'm here. What do you need? Ask. 
And you're like, God, where are you? He's like, I'm still here. But if you only turn to God and you only give him the real and you only complain, but you don't actually ask for help, then God, he is patient. But there comes a point where he's like, I know, I'll fix it. I know, I'll give you the answer. I know, I've heard that complaint from you over and over. Now I just need you to take that next step. And if you get to the place where you've laid out the raw and the real and, and, and you've told him what you need, but, but you're not willing to choose to trust him before you see it, then you're tying God's hands. You're hindering the power and the peace that's available to you. Because as believers, we're supposed to walk by faith and not by sight. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So there is a point where this is very Christian, and not just in prayer, but in decision to choose to trust God, even though it's been 400 plus years. Amen. To trust God, even though it's been three months since my last paycheck. To trust God, even though I have not been able to marry, bury my mother or my brother or my father. I'm not saying it's easy. It's not always quick. But to stop anywhere along the path hinders you. It hurts you. Jesus continues this and he says, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice. And no one will take your joy from you. Let me close with this. Our sorrow, our pain, it, 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 is, it is very much, um, it puts us in a state like a caterpillar. And, and I believe this was just something God spoke to me because I, I, I had to actually, it's been a long time since I was my kid's age and actually in school and learned about caterpillars and butterflies and all that. I don't know. So I had to like Google it. All I know is caterpillars are like worms and they like crawl and they, they're dirty and they're slow and, uh, and then they turn into a butterfly. We all know what a butterfly is, right? But like in our sorrow, we're in a state like a caterpillar. Here's what I found out about a caterpillar. Not only is it like a worm and it crawls and it's slow and it doesn't go anywhere, it doesn't actually travel very far, but a caterpillar has one job and one job only, and that is to eat. That is to consume. And when we're in our states of sorrow, of pain, you know what we do? We consume. Some of us, it's just like the caterpillar. We eat. But when we're hurting like that, we're consuming. We're pulling on people, on resources. 
We're, we're, we're just consuming. That's like our only job. A caterpillar also um, can be camouflage. I didn't know this. This was amazing to me. They can literally hide from their prey or from the predators. They also, the way that they're made, make a lot of predators um, hesitant to eat them because uh, they think that they're poisonous, even though very few of them are actually poisonous. And so there's a level of God just protecting them in this state of being a caterpillar. And man, all of this spoke to me. Because when we wallow in our pain and in our sorrow, and I don't mean that flippantly, I mean that like you're not lamenting, you're just, you're not taking any of this to God, You're, you're just, you're just wallowing in it. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel the pain. You should feel the pain and allow God to heal the pain, but you're, you're just waddling in it. When we're in that state or even we're in the beginning stages of lamenting, it's like this caterpillar and we're not going anywhere. We're not going to be able to travel very far. We're just going to be consuming We're going to be pulling. We're going to be taking. And God's best for us is that we are givers, not just takers, not just consumers. Yes, God will hide us and and not allow people to see the pain and the difficulty that, that we're going through. But we will be crawling lowly and going slowly and getting nowhere. But then there's this amazing process where the caterpillar decomposes. (laughs) The caterpillar really is no more. And you guys know, many of you all know it better than me. The caterpillar then turns into a butterfly. A butterfly who is vibrant and colorful and beautiful. A, A butterfly who flies high. A butterfly who can travel great distances. And if you've ever seen a butterfly fly, it's, it is, there, there's something about it that just makes you feel like that butterfly is enjoying every flap of its wings. And this is a picture of what lamenting is, of what God wants to do. He wants to bring us from a place of pain to a place of peace, to a place of praise, to a place where there is a promise that we hold on to and we choose no matter what we've experienced. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.